20 years, a little bit over 20 years, uh, grew up here and was baptized here um, um, when I was younger. And so I'm excited, excited to be here, super thankful for this church body. I'm super excited to get to uh, enjoy some time with you this morning. And so uh, what we'll be doing this morning is, is con- continuing the series as we focus on the one another commandments of Scripture. As we've highlighted these past couple of months, there are about 59 specific commandments in the New Testament that specifically uh, speak to one another's. So it is how we are to love one another. Um, all, these, all of these co- uh, commandments culminate in the great commandments uh, to love God and to love others. And, and the commandment to love one another is given in the New Testament 13 times. So of, of that 59 one another commandments that I spoke of, 13 of those are simply to love one another. Uh, God's word calls us to love one another. Like I said, that's part of the, the great commandments. Look at, look at Jesus' words uh, when he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Stephen spoke on this in the first, in the first uh, lesson of this series, uh, to love one another, that, that commandment. And so if you missed that, go back and uh, listen to that from the podcast. That was back in March uh, when he spoke on that. And so I really love this series, um, focusing on the one another's, how we are to to practice loving one another. Um, it's, it's simple. It's straightforward. It's, it's pretty clear to understand so many of these. And yet, it's not always easy to apply to our lives, and they're profound in how uh, it puts God's character on display. And as you, as you look at uh, the loving one another commandments, or all of these commandments that culminate in that, you can see that they're in individual commands that, that expand and and become commands that our church is doing together. And as we do that, we see how we more fully and more rightly put on display God's commandments and put his character on display to a watching world. And so we can consider passages like Ephesians 2. We see that because of Christ's work, we have been reconciled to God and to one another. Because of the work of Christ, we can also call ourselves members and citizens and fellow members of the household of God. Uh, by understanding and practicing these one another commandments, we not only honor and glorify God as individuals, uh, but we also build up our church to more rightly reflect his character to a watching world. Consider those one another, a few of those one another commandments here. Uh, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And then he goes on and says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. These things I, I, I command you, so that you will love one another. Um, And then we can look on further. Just Romans 12 says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. 
So you can see that that is a primary focus, that God calls us to love himself, and he calls us to put that on display by the way that we love one another. And so all of the other uh, lessons that we'll be going through, whether that's uh, bearing with one another or encouraging one another, showing hospitality to one another or, or serving one another, all of these serve to undergird and to clarify uh, how we are fulfilling that ultimate command to love one another. And we put that on display, that we love God. And so today, like I mentioned, we are going to be talking uh, and diving into to really what it looks like to show hospitality to one another. Um, but before we jump in, let's spend a moment in prayer. If you would join me. God, we are thankful uh, for this morning, for this time to, to gather together. We're thankful uh, for the way that we can be together, that you have commanded us not to give up meeting together, uh, but to do so, to, to gather together and to encourage one another, to stir one another up towards love and towards good deeds. And so, God, we, we thank you for this morning and this time that we can do just that. Uh, God, I pray that this time would be encouraging, God, that we would, we would stir each other up towards love and good deeds. God, I pray that you would give me uh, clarity of mind, clarity of voice, uh, that, that, uh, that your work uh, would, would go forth and that we as a church body would, would more uh, rightly and accurately put on display your hospitable character. Senior your sons and we pray, amen. And so like I mentioned, uh, we're, we are going to jump in showing hospitality to one another. Um, it, just, to, just to kick us off, I created kind of a rough working definition uh, this week, and so I want to share that with you right now. Uh, that definition, it's a little bit of a run-on sentence, so I apologize for that for any of you English nerds. Um, hospitality is recognizing the value of the individual guest or stranger and the, 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 sorry, and the necessity of Christ in their life, both for the Christian and the non-Christian, and creating opportunities to joyfully serve, build re relationships, and practice means of grace together. I'll repeat that again. Hospitality is recognizing the value of the individual guest or stranger and the necessity of Christ in their life, both for the Christian and the non-Christian, and creating opportunities to joyfully serve, build relationships, and practice the means of grace together. So what we're going to do next is, is just to really jump in. We're going to look at God's character uh, on, on display. Um, what does, if we really think about it, what does hospitality have to do with the Christian life? Why are we commanded to practice it and not neglect it? Why is that emphasis so clear in Scripture? And is there any eternal value or weight to showing hospitality? Uh, primarily, what we want to look at first is that it, it reflects God's character and our obedience to put His character on display to a watching world. Uh, just to be clear, this is not a self-help talk. It's not a moralistic uh, talk. It's not your best life now, some other self-help book. Um, but this is about commands from a sovereign God and our obedience to those commandments. Uh, this morning, we will we'll go through and we're going to talk about uh, God's, God's character. Uh, we're going to talk about his commands 
and then just a handful of reflections and applications that, that we can apply as individuals and as, as a church body. First, uh, let's jump in and, and look at, at common grace, God's common grace, which is the care and the blessings that everyone gets to receive here on this earth, uh, both the believer and non-believer. God created the heavens and the earth. We know that from Genesis 1.1. But have we ever really considered how his character has been put on display in, in his creation, even, even the hospitality that he, that he put into practice. Um, there's countless ways, and we could go into this for hours, I'm sure, to consider all of God's common grace and how we've been beneficiaries of that. But just to, just to look at a couple, uh, I want to I go really high level for a moment and nerd out a little bit and look at, at just looking at God's creation of, of this planet and where he put us in our solar system matters. Where he put this planet matters. Where it is inside of our galaxy matters. And, and we can consider just a couple of things. The fact that we can see the universe, the fact that we can see any stars, the fact that we can see any other galaxies in this universe is because of God's care and hospitality. He, he graciously allows us to see that. He has, has put us in just the right spot. Our solar system is just the right spot in our, in our galaxy that, that we are in a clear space that we can actually see out. And if we were in another spot of our galaxy, it would actually be too foggy, too cloudy, too gaseous for us to even see anything. Um, there's plenty of other spots in our galaxy that we wouldn't even be able to survive. And then to zoom in a little bit further, the, the location that we're at in our solar system, the distance that we are from our sun matters. And he placed us perfectly in a tiny sliver of a hospitable zone. You see, if we get too close to the sun, all of a sudden our temperature begins to rise, the water begins to evaporate, the greenhouse effect takes over, and all of a sudden there, there's no life supported here. And on the opposite end of things, if we get too far away, the opposite happens. Everything starts to freeze. And again, not good. So God's just even where, where he's placed us. And even the moon, where he's placed the moon, how big the moon is, how fast the moon revolves around us. All of these things matter. Then we can look at our atmosphere. The fact that we have the necessary oxygen that we need to breathe, to keep us alive. That is a kindness and a grace. Uh, we can look at the, the atmosphere and the magnetic field. It's fascinating to really consider the fact that we actually have a magnetic field around our planet that protects us from the solar radiation from the sun. That kind of blows my mind. But that's a kindness of God. If we were on Mars, for example, Mars doesn't have that. And so even, even the very soil on Mars is radioactive. So, we, yeah, not hospitable, to be clear. Uh, the rest of the universe, I mean, if you just keep going, all scientists, astronomers have found no other place like Earth. There's nowhere else in all the universe, tens of billions of light years in any given direction, and you're not going to find anything that sustains life like this planet does. Life at all, in fact. In fact, uh, the universe outside of our atmosphere, the atmosphere around Earth that God created for us and put here, all the rest of the universe really seeks to kill us, if we're going to be really clear. Uh, we cannot survive anywhere else in the universe except for here. There's no, there's no oxygen. 
Uh, there's no heat source, or no, uh, no heat, no water, no food source. Uh, there's life-threatening radiation, like I mentioned. The list goes on and on. And so in common grace, God has provided this in so many more things. But I'll, I'll, can, I'll stop there uh, for now. Um, but we've looked at common grace. Now let's look at, at special grace. That special grace is the grace that God gives to his chosen people. Uh, we can see that in Israel in the Old Testament, his chosen people, and in Christians in the New Testament, all Christians. Um, in the Old Testament, God's character has been put on display for it in his care for Israel. Um, he, he continued over and over to pursue his people, to make himself their God. Uh, think back just to the, the incredible patience that he had, the way that he brought um, Israel out of Egypt into the promised land, how he provided for them so abundantly and continued to call them back to himself. Uh, he, he continued to make his everlasting value clear, abundantly clear, and he did so patiently over generations and generations and even millennia. God's commands uh, to his people um, towards love and towards hospitality are clear as well. Let's specifically, I want to look at, at a passage in Leviticus. In, in chapter 19, we're going to review a couple of, of verses here that God commands. He says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave those behind for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. And then in verse 18, he goes on and he says, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And then going on. Verses 33 and 34 say, When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. The stranger who sojourns with you shall be to you as a native among you. And you shall love him as yourself. For you are strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. I love how each one of these, uh, these verses end with, I am the Lord your God, as if, as if he's kind of expecting us to kind of do that thing that toddlers often do, so when we kind of, they kind of interrupt and say, but why, why, why? He's basically saying, because I told you so. He says, I am the Lord your God. His commandments here, uh, highlight his character and his hospitality. And then let's fast forward into looking at the New Testament. Uh, let's consider, you know, even ever since the beginning in the garden, God has promised and prophesied a Savior that would come. Prophets continue to share uh, that, that Christ was coming. And then we get to read John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we look at the whole universe and this tiny little pale dot of a planet that we get to live on, and God saw fit to send his Son because he loved us 
so much. And Jesus became nothing, like the nature of man, and and made himself nothing so that he might redeem us to the Father. It's an incredible, overwhelming, and unfathomable love, right? That, That God would seek to make his enemies his friends, that he would make his Uh, that he would make strangers his heirs. We can now call ourselves children of God because of his great and wonderful hospitality. We can see examples of of Jesus' hospitality specifically uh, in in his life, um, looking at, at the ways that he cared for people. Look at how he would enter an entire town and heal all of the sick and needy. Uh, how he would feed thousands, how he would meet the woman at the well and love her, show hospitality to her, bring her to himself. You can think of even how how tirelessly he served and loved, how he he sought not to, to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. You can see that practically when he goes away and takes his disciples away to rest. And even still, the crowds follow him. And rather than him running away from it or shunning them or grudging, holding grudges against them, no, he, he continues to faithfully love and to serve and to show hospitality there. We can fast forward even more uh, to Revelation 21. It says that God is preparing a place for us, like a wedding feast, where there will be no more tears, crying, pain, mourning, or death, because all of those things have passed away, he will dwell with us and he will be our God. It's amazing. Christ is coming back for us to continue to unite us with him and to continue showing his infinite hospitality. All of this uh, indeed is is if we repent and we believe that Jesus is Lord. If we turn from our sins and submit uh, to the authority of God in Christ. If we turn to that Jesus who is the friend of sinners and the lover of our souls. Um, honestly, if you, have not, if you have not put your faith in Christ, if you have not believed in the gospel that, he, uh, that Christ uh, lived and he died as a ransom for sinners and rose on that third day, if you've never Come to believe that yourself. I I encourage you, I exhort you to consider your life right now and to consider the brevity of it. Uh, Consider how quick this life will be. Uh, I encourage you, yeah, just to talk to somebody around you, talk to somebody that invited you, and uh, uh, or come find an elder um, after the service to discuss more. Okay, so we've we've jumped in. Uh, and we've talked about primarily God's, God's character put on display, God's, God's heart and his commandments to us. Uh, any questions so far before we jump into uh, further defining this and, and applying it to our lives? Great. Then I will continue. Let's look at some of these specific, uh, these specific commandments to hospitality now. Um, in First Peter four, eight, and nine, it says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, 
Since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Just like we've reflected, this is another command to be obeyed. Show hospitality to one another and to do so without grumbling. I know that can be a temptation, but we should be cheerful and find joy in the obedience of this commandment. Romans 12, 10 through 13 says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Again, God's character is put on display in his commandments that we are to love one another and to show hospitality. Titus 1, 7 and 8 says, For an overseer, this is looking at, at the, uh, the criteria, the requirements for the, that Paul is giving Titus as he says, Go out, uh, make, put elders in every city in Crete. And he says, For an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard, or violent, or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. If we look at that, that first handful of, of commandments that, that he speaks to, uh, to, to Titus, those, it starts with a list of negatives, and then it goes to the positive. So looking at that, we can see that he says, not arrogant, quick-tempered, not a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. All of these things, you can see when you really look at it, all of these break our relationship with God. And they break our relationships with each other. Many of us have felt that and even feel that now. And yet, he moves on to look at the positives. And he says, but hospitable. Hospitality actually leads the very next list. When he's looking at elders, he's saying, if you're going to, to lead, you need to be hospitable. You need to be a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. If you think of those things, you can see how, how those commandments are actually serving to bring people together, not to to create divisiveness, not dissension, not pain and hurt, but warmth, compassion, welcoming, unity. It's beautiful. God's word is wonderful, isn't it? We can consider how, uh, how that hospitality brings people together. Let's look at the early church in Acts uh, two, in, in verses two, uh, 42 through 44, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Okay, that is a glorious picture. And yet we can see that, that none of that could have happened without people being hospitable. People were gathering together 
They were fellowshipping. They were breaking bread. All of these things required people to do something. They, they required space. It required somebody to cook that food that they were enjoying together, right? People were practicing hospitality. They were creating space for people to come together in unity. And Hebrews 13, 2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. I'm not going to get into that, what angels unawares, entertaining angels unawares might mean, but to be honest, I have suspected some of you over the years. Time will tell. Time will tell, right? But just to continue moving on, let's spend some time uh, reflecting on, on this command to show hospitality, to, sh- to seek to show hospitality. Let's first recognize that it is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not, hey, if you're a people person, this, sh- this should be for you. But if you're an introvert, no worries. doesn't say anything about that. It's a command, and it's written to all of us as, as followers of Christ. And so will we participate? Will we? Or are we too tired? Are we too busy? Might we be uh, financially restricted? Or do we have too much Netflix that we need to be watching? There's a lot out there, a lot of content, a lot of Instagram and TikToks to scroll through in perpetuity forever. There's a lot. There's a lot out there. Um, but we, we have to recognize that, that hospitality will take work. It will take selflessness. It will take dying to yourself in many ways. Because honestly, sitting down mindlessly in front of Netflix is kind of nice sometimes, right? Like just to scroll. There's something that it gives us. It feels good. Like those are not, uh, it's not like we do that, you know, miserably. A lot of those things feel good. And so that doesn't change the fact that it is distracting and it pulls us away from fulfilling these commands of how we are to love one another. Uh, Additionally, will we feel the joy of participating? Uh, By participating in this type of good work uh, that the Lord has put before us, we get to enjoy being a conduit of God's grace and love and care to others. We're not on a dead-end street, not on a cul-de-sac, but a conduit. Um, what just came to my mind is, is an idea of the Dead Sea and how water continues to flow into it. And yet, there's nowhere for that water to go. The only place that the water leaves is to evaporate. So you continue to get mineral deposits, salt, collecting there. And it gets, it's gotten to the point where it does not support life in the Dead Sea. But you can compare that with the fruitfulness of the Red Sea how it has water coming into it and water going out. It is not a dead-end street, but it continues to be healthy and vibrant 
in its life. It, it, it receives and it gives. And so God delights in a cheerful giver and um, those that practice hospitality cheerfully. And so question, um, must we all practice hospitality all the time? Or is there a season for everything? I do want to be realistic here and recognize that, that there are seasons. Some of those seasons might look like a global pandemic, for example. Uh, with COVID, it, it has affected every way that we have done life for over a year now. And so we have to recognize that, that that too is going to change the way that we can practice hospitality. And for some, it, it still is affecting us today. For many, it still affects us today. Um, however, we, we have to dig in. We have to, to really consider our hearts and to recognize and to consider what, what's a legitimate restriction to hospitality and what might just be an excuse for us to pursue the things that we want to pursue, those things that are uh, pleasing to us just as individuals. But there's other seasons, too, that we need to consider. <clears throat> Maybe that's a season of sickness where you're limited physically or perhaps even caring for a family member who is sick. That's going to take a lot of time and energy, and that's going to, to be an issue when it comes to showing hospitality. Perhaps even you're struggling through a difficult season with a child, and that, that season needs to take more of your time. Or perhaps you're mourning a loss. Perhaps work truly has become busy in a season. But just like the seasons change, those seasons ought to change too. For some, uh, they may be limited, but, but for most of us, we need to consider how seasons change and to recognize and to be faithful, uh, to see to it that we are being faithful uh, when it comes to hospitality. And, and that truly is it, right? That we, we recognize that so often we think, oh, if I could just show hospitality a certain time, a certain amount of times per week or per month or per year, if I could just welcome in and feed enough people, then God will be happy with me, right? Like that's, that's it. That's what he really requires. It's like this certain goal that we have to attain or achieve. But no, that's not it at all, right? God calls us to be good and faithful servants. We serve a sovereign God. He is sovereign and we are absolutely not. We don't have to be frantic. We don't have to to wear ourselves out and burn ourselves out. I've tried it before. I've been frantic and I have burned myself out trying to be sovereign as if I could show enough hospitality, as if there is any end to the amount of people that I could possibly to show hospitality to. And you recognize that we are limited humans. We, we have a limited capacity and we need to be okay with that. But yet still, God calls us to be faithful. Um, it's far better to rest in our identity as his children and to rest in his identity as a sovereign Lord. Let God be the sovereign Lord of the universe. And we can play our small part to be faithful where we're at.
Before we jump into some more practical applications of, of hospitality, are there any questions at this point? Crystal clear. What do you got, Jacob? That's, that's a great question. Yeah, to, to, to repeat the question for those of you that, that are on, on Zoom um, and those that may not have heard it, uh, Jacob just asked, as an elder, how, how are we uh, challenged to not overexert ourselves? How do we, how do we keep from uh, taking those commandments and prioritizing them over and above other, over, uh, other faithful commandments like caring for my wife, loving my wife, and loving my children. And I would say the one thing that we constantly are reminding each other is that very thing that I just, just went over, is that God requires faithfulness. We recognize that even in this church, you can think about the, the fact that we have about a dozen elders, and yet there's about over 650 members here for us to love, to care for, to to serve, to uh, show hospitality to. When you really do that math, it can get overwhelming pretty quickly, right? And we just have to be, to recognize that God has called us to be faithful. And there are times when he's called us to exhort and to challenge one another, to give each other that kick in the rear to say, hey, you're, you're missing something. You're erring too much on one side or the other. But ultimately, we're, what we're trying to do is, is align ourselves towards faithfulness to, to loving God and to loving people. Now, any other questions, thoughts? Okay. Well, I will continue on then. Um, in, in this section, uh, we're just going to look at a list of, of uh, practical applications, some, pre some pastoral reflections, if you will, um, on, on hospitality and showing hospitality to one another. Uh, we'll discuss several means and spheres of influence uh, with regards to showing hospitality here this morning and, and through the rest of this time, but we can't escape that our primary practice of hospitality will be in our homes, right? Uh, and that means whether it's an apartment a trailer, a house, mansion, whatever it might be. Uh, we can, my wife reminded me last night that, that Jesus, even perfect in hospitality, said that he had no place to lay his head. And even still, he was able to show hospitality to the people around him. My wife's awesome. Um, really raising the bar there for us. Um, Opening your home in hospitality is one of the, the basic building blocks of being able to achieve any of these other one another commandments. It's one of the basic building blocks. How can we love one another if we're not with one another? How can we serve one another or pray for one another, share, encourage one another if we're not gathering together? That's why Hebrews does call us not to give up meeting and gathering together. 
yes, that means these meetings here as a church body, but that also means throughout our day-to-day lives and at home. Uh, that, that could look like breakfast. It could look like lunch or an afternoon tea, dinner, desserts, or even chores, other house care. Maybe it's cleaning the garage. Maybe it's building a table together. Are you welcoming people into your life to walk through this life with you? Are you willing to create space that invites people in to give them care and to even allow them to care for you? It's, it's really important to recognize that, that in showing hospitality, we're able to practice one another's. You might at one point be the giver of hospitality, and in another day or another minute, you can be the receiver. And even in those situations, we have the opportunity to be blessings to one another. You're going to receive encouragement from those that you're showing hospitality to. You're going to enjoy that time. You're going to have the opportunity to share, to be vulnerable, to be intimate with those other individuals, and they can be a blessing to you as well. And so practically... I have a challenge for you this morning. Uh, between this ABF and the, and the 1030 service, we're going to have somewhere between 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes that we can, can uh, gather and meet together. But what I would encourage you is to connect with someone around you this morning and start making some plans. Seek to show hospitality to one another. Start this morning. Um, thinking, thinking about this, one clarification that I do want to make is that, that showing hospitality is not merely entertaining. It might include some entertaining, but ultimately it is not merely that. Many of us think of hospitality the way that cooking shows or magazines, TV shows, the way that they want us to think about it. They want it to be all about the presentation. Are you presenting a perfect, clean home? Do you have the perfect place settings? Is the food just perfect and delicious? That food that you took maybe all day, maybe a couple of days to prepare? Are you impressing your guests and entertaining them? The the problem with, with hospitality is entertaining. The problem that we get from that is that we, we recognize that, that, that that tends to be focused on us. Like, what am I displaying to them about me? How am I presenting and displaying myself as an individual when what God is truly calling us to do in showing hospitality is not to put myself on display, but to put him on display in his character and his love on display So instead of focusing on ourselves, our focus, our primary focus should be on our guests and on the others around us. I appreciate something I've heard Rosaria Butterfield say um, in an interview. She said, at the end of an evening of hospitality, you don't really want your guests to ask for that recipe. You want them to ask more information about the gospel or to to more deeply understand something that was discussed in that evening. That's powerful. 
So remember, the true intention of hospitality is to love one another, not to build ourselves up or to make ourselves look good. It's instead of, uh, sorry, instead of entertaining, what we need to focus on is creating simplicity so that we can focus more on the people and less on the tasks. More on the people, less on the tasks. Uh, Just a simple practical right there. Um, Amy and I, uh, have a handful of simple meals and simple recipes that, that we have on the ready regularly. So I, I would encourage you to find some crockpot meals and just have those ingredients on hand all the time. There's a, there's a handful of ingredients that I know that are to simple recipes that even I can cook that are simple and easy. I could start them in the morning in a crockpot before I come to church and that way, when we get home from church, we have food to provide and to show hospitality. So I encourage you, create that small list. It can literally be one to three meals. I'm sure some of you have had the same meal at our house too many times. But that's okay, because that food is not the ultimate point, right? Um, to that point, yeah, like I mentioned, Consider pre-prepping meals. Do that before you come to church on a Sunday morning, whether that's the Saturday night, prep the meal, and then put it in the crock pot the next morning. Um, do that so that you can show that hospitality, even if it's, you know, ramen noodles, whatever it might be. Consider your budget as well. Um, if it needs to be ramen noodles, I, I actually love ramen noodles. And yeah, I, I see some nodding heads. Yeah, I appreciate that. Others love ramen noodles. It's like literally like 25 cents maybe per package and a lifetime supply of salt, um, we can, I would happily share a bowl of ramen noodles with you. All that being said, okay, continue. Um, something else, as we, as we really focus on not just entertaining, but building relationships with one another, I wanna, I wanna just take a quick aside and, and look at what it looks like to build and deepen friendships both within our church, within our community. So I've got six uh, quick points here. Uh, the first is uh, to introduce Jesus early on in the conversation. Uh, when I was being discipled in college, my, uh, the guy that was discipling me would say, fly your flag early when you're building and starting a new relationship. The longer you go without bringing up that piece of authentic uh, that authentic part of yourself, that you are a child of God, that you are an heir to his kingdom, that you love God, the longer you wait to introduce that into a relationship, the harder it's going to be. You can do that subtly and simply at first. If it's a new relationship, you can start to introduce it very slowly. It doesn't have to be quick, but at least start to raise that flag. Introduce Jesus. And when you're even gathering together as a church, make sure that you are intentional with your fellowship, that you're focused on spiritual good to one another, that you're being uh, intentional spiritually with your fellowship. And then two, start to know their stories. Get to know them. Ask them where they're from. Ask them about their life. Ask them about what it was like for them growing up, where they live, where they work, where they like to eat, whatever it might be. Start there and just continue to get to know their stories. And as as much as it depends on you, live at peace with them. Every single relationship on this earth right now 
is between two sinners that are going to sin against each other. Um, and so, so as far as it, as it depends on you, do your best to live at peace, to be forgiving, and to be kind. Speaking of kind, number four is do good things. Think about even with your neighbors or with other church members that live near you. If you're going to the grocery store, you're kind of focused on your list, on your, your uh, recipes or your whatever needs that, that are getting you to Walmart or Harps. Consider calling a friend, calling a neighbor, calling, calling a fellow church member, whoever it might be, and ask them if, if they need you to pick them up anything. How many times during the week do you think, oh, I need to remember to add that one thing to my list? If one of you texted me and said, what is it that you need again? Oh, yeah, I need some more ramen, <laughs> right? <laughs> like whatever it might be. Uh, pick me up some ramen. So do good things. Mow, mow a neighbor's yard. That's simple, subtle. Anyways, I won't keep going on to that. Um, but five, give time. You have to recognize that relationships are going to take time. And so you have to have it to be able to give it. Um, so give them time. Um, a lot of that comes down to how busy are we? How packed are our schedules? Are they too busy for us to even make time to build into relationships? Um, and then invest in margin. Uh, create margin in your life. Create opportunities that you can simply sit and talk to your neighbors in the front yard. Um, Make time even after this church service to sit and to spend time fellowshipping with others here. Let's see. I have gone all over the place with my notes. One moment. Let's jump on. So I just wanted to share that as general encouragement for you as you're building relationships, both in this church body and um, in our community. Next, let's look at, at what this looks like in our church. I'll be honest, over the years, it has been incredibly encouraging to hear so many guests and so many visitors that have come in who have been amazed at how our church body has welcomed them. The warmth, the care that we show, even from the, the parking lot greeters up to the front door to even sitting in the pews. And our church body knows who the visitors are. They, they can recognize that I don't recognize that person, right? Um, and so, so there, yeah, just in, in our church body, it has been incredibly encouraging to see, um, to see so many that have come in and to have recognized how we as a church have been hospitable. Uh, just as a reminder of that, that uh, rough definition earlier that I gave, it's recognizing the value of the individual and the necessity of Christ in their life, both for the Christian and the non-Christian, and creating opportunities to joyfully serve, build relationships, and practice means of grace together. It's been incredibly encouraging to me to see, uh, to see us in action uh, with showing hospitality within these walls. Um, but something that, that we can, can do as well is, as, as church members, let's seek to show hospitality in diversity. If you're a college student, Consider showing hospitality, not just to other college students, which is great, do that too, but perhaps look at somebody a little bit older, um, like, 
like myself, somebody who, who uh, has a family who has kids. If you are retired, perhaps, an empty nester, find a young family to pour into. If you're a young family, consider even taking your children to show hospitality to homebound members. How can we show God's glory by our, by our hospitality? Um, in, in the book Compelling Community, it, it focuses on recognizing that if all we do uh, is gather with people that are just like us, if all we're doing is, is gathering with the same people that love baseball as much as we do in order to, to watch something as awesome as, as the Razorbacks uh, winning the SEC championship, things like that, uh, if, if all of your hospitality is with people that are just like you, how does that really look any different than the world? The world does the exact same thing. Tens of thousands of people will gather together that have no spiritual relationship or likeness to watch a Razorback football game. So if we're doing the exact same thing in our church, how is that distinct from the world? But if we start to practice hospitality and diversity, and we start to realize that, that truly the thing that is most unifying in this relationship and in this fellowship is Christ, that is a big thing. That will cause people to start asking questions. It will, it will highlight what Jesus said by, if you love one another, uh, or they will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so that uh, love in diversity truly puts God's display, uh, God's character on display to a watching world. Uh, I, I, just as a random side, I can think of some times that, um, that I've received hospitality. I, don't, I haven't seen Hayden, Amy here, but several years ago, Hayden Beckwith and, and, uh, and Josh Foster invited Amy and I over for breakfast, and it was wonderful. Um, my, my kids were there, and they helped us take care of the kids. They were intentional with spiritual conversation and fellowship, and it was a huge blessing. And I've heard other similar stories, even just to encourage you that are younger, um, how, how I've, I've heard stories of college students showing hospitality to those in their 50s and 60s and beyond, and how that both encouraged both of them together and yet also served to challenge because so many of us that might have more means, we might have a house, we might have whatever. To be invited into a college student's bachelor pad apartment and to sit there and to be encouraged by that fellowship, it really raises the bar on, on those that might have homes, that might have more means to show hospitality. It's like, I'm not going to eat out of a paper plate, but a, a glass plate. Like, all of a sudden you're like, I, I have plenty. You recognize that, that we have plenty to show hospitality. And it's encouraging and it's challenging. Um, some more practicals for how we can show hospitality within this church. Uh, stick around after this service. You'll recognize, if you, if you haven't done that before, as soon as the service is over this morning, don't just leave, but stick around and continue investing into fellowship. And you'll be amazed to see how many others are doing the same thing. Uh, greet those that don't look familiar, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, we have been a hospitable church, but let's continue to just con uh, continue to grow that. Welcome guests. Show people around. Uh, show them how to get to the nursery, the bookstall, the coffee, the restrooms, whatever it might be. And then be faithful in attendance. Be here Sunday mornings. 
Be here Sunday evenings, life groups, prayer groups, Bible studies. Be faithful to be around the church body. And then what does this look like moving on? What does this look like in our community? Look at specifically the spheres of influence that you have. Consider where, where you work. What are your common circles? Who are you generally overlapping with in life? Um, be as intentional as you can be to be consistent and to maintain those relationships. If it's at work, um, coffee shops, even a kid's soccer game, uh, a climbing gym, restaurants. Ask yourself that question. Am I carrying myself in a way that proves to people that I embody that definition of hospitality that we talked about? Um, recognizing the value of the individual and the necessity of Christ in their life. Creating opportunities to joyfully serve, build relationships, and practice means of grace together. I've been encouraged um, over the past handful of months. There's, there's a good bit of us uh, that, that will end up seeing each other at Old Pine Coffee Shop. Yeah, yeah. The laughs come from several of those that end up seeing each other. Uh, one specific example that I want to give a shout out to is Wyatt Hykus. Um, it's, it's amazing how, how consistently he'll find himself in spiritual conversations with people. I'll get, I'll get there early in the, in the morning, and lo and behold, he's in a conversation with yet another stranger discussing spiritual matters, discussing God's word. It's truly encouraging. Um, and so many of us, will I'll see gathering together around God's word, showing hospitality. It is awesome. So Wyatt, thank you for being an encouragement to me. Wyatt proves that he recognizes the value of the individual and the necessity of Christ in their life and creates opportunities to joyfully serve, build relationships, and practice means of grace together. Let's move on to hospitality as evangelism. Uh, there are opportunities for evangelism all around us, within our jobs, our schools, our neighborhoods, etc. And just as God has been hospitable and shown care and love to us, he expects the same from us. And by inviting people into our lives, our homes, our hearts, we have the opportunity to more faithfully love them and to evangelize. Um, with, with regards to evangelism, I do want to highlight a couple of quick uh, ditches that we need to be considering when it comes to showing hospitality and to evangelism. One is not sharing the gospel at all, is getting so carried away with trying to be strategic that we, we don't share the gospel. That is heartbreaking. And yet, the other ditch would be that, that evangelism is the only point of the relationship. We don't want to think that if it's not eternally good, then it's of no good at all. We have to recognize that, that God uh, has done many things in his common grace that are temporal. A lot of things in our life and in this world will burn. They are not eternal. But yet we need to be okay with recognizing that there is a lot of good in simple good deeds to others around us. Um, speaking of uh, evangelism, let's consider international students. There are over 1,200 international students at the University of Arkansas right there. They represent over 100 countries. That is incredible. 
And so consider how you can get involved in showing hospitality to those sojourners among us, whether it's campus cousins, I friend, hosting short-term students. And if you come across somebody and you recognize that, that they are uh, from another country, show hospitality. If you're at a restaurant, a coffee shop, ask them where they're from. Ask them about what, what brought them here and, and seek to get to know them. Show hospitality. Uh, I have a couple of friends um, that are from Muslim backgrounds. They were, they were Muslims from some of the most persecuted countries in the entire world. They came here to Northwest Arkansas to go to school so that they could go back home. And because of God's work in their hearts and in their lives and because of the hospitality and the love and the care that they received from Christians in Northwest Arkansas, they are now in the kingdom because of the way that, that we have served them. Um, next, I want to talk about discipling others. We've got about eight minutes. We've got this. We've got this. Um, talking about discipling others. Invite others to show hospitality with you. If, you. if you're inviting another member of the church over, consider inviting somebody else that you might be pouring into that you want to introduce them to, to showing them, hey, here's what hospitality looks like. Here's, here's how to do this. Maybe help me clean the house. Help me set the table. Help me uh, prepare the meal. And if you're having neighbors over, maybe if it's an evangelistic opportunity, consider inviting church members along Put, letting yourselves in that fellowship put on display the love that we have together and the love that we have for them. Additionally, uh, I don't want to take this part for granted, to disciple the children among us. Whether it's your children or your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, or your friends' kids, disciple them in what it looks like to be hospitable. What do we want for our children to be focusing on? What do we want them to be prone towards? Do we want them to be passionate about pursuing their every need, about pursuing their every want, every craving? Or do we want them to love others and consider others as more important than ourselves? So love our kiddos. I've been encouraged uh, just, just by recently seeing my wife um, and, and our kids. Amy has started to uh, show, show hospitality intentionally with discipling our kids in mind. So when she invites people over, before they get there, she'll set the kids down and she'll remind them, hey, we're about to show hospitality. We're going to care more about themselves than we care about ourselves. We're going to care more about knowing them than showing off our toys and showing off what, whatever entertainment that they might have in store. Um, and so it's been amazing just to see uh, that type of di uh, discipling of our kids in our home. And so I recommend that to you guys as well. Be intentional with discipling. Teach them to ask intentional questions, actively listening and caring. All right. Prioritizing hospitality. Romans 12 says to seek to show hospitality. Hebrews says not to neglect it. Hospitality, like any other character or discipline, is a skill. And so we have to recognize through all of this that, that we have room to grow. No matter where you are at, when you think about applying this uh, characteristic in your life, 
we all have room to grow. I actually uh, spent a couple of years working out with some, some new friends that were power lifters. I know, I, doesn't it show? I, I, I did grow a lot. I did, I did. Uh, I grew a lot. I was never even close to the strength of those guys. Like they would literally be lifting over two times as much as me. I felt like I was giving it everything and felt really tough. And they humbled me on a daily basis. It was great. But what was amazing is that they recognized that we were all in different seasons and they continued to encourage and would cheer me on at lifting 100 pounds as much as they would cheer each other on when they were lifting 400 pounds. And it was so encouraging. And but in that same mindset is how we need to treat each other, is encourage one another and build each other up and to celebrate with each other, whether it's... Uh, whether we're just starting in our, in our practice of hospitality or if we've been doing it faithfully for years or decades. All right, to close us. Um, in conclusion, I, I, I want to just refocus again on what we talked about earlier. That, uh, what is the chief end of man? We can ask that question that, that is from the Westminster Catechism, that first question, what is the chief end of man. What's the purpose of our life? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Additionally, we can look at Ecclesiastes 12, 13 that says, the end of the matter is this. All has been heard. Fear God and obey his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Part of glorifying God and keeping his commandments is that we are called to seek and to show hospitality to one another. Uh, we serve a hosp- hospitable God, and he has called us to reflect that character towards each other and before the watching world. So let us be faithful to take part in that. Let us pray. Actually, we have a couple more minutes before I pray. Any other questions? I realize I just blew through a lot of content and forgot to ask anybody if they had questions along the way. Let's hear it. I love that. I will pray for them. Thank you, brother. They sure are. They are a huge blessing. What you got? Oh, that's so good, and I totally feel your pain. Uh, the question was, how do we, how do we prioritizing building relationships, showing hospitality without spreading ourselves too thin? If you really consider, there's 7 billion people in this world. If you just had one second to meet and shake each person's hand, you, you would die before you finished. And so in that same sense, like if we consider the the magnitude of the calling that God has before us, um, what, like we recognize that it takes his sovereignty. He's sovereign. He can accomplish his, uh, his work. And what he's called us to do is be faithful. And so in that question, I would encourage you to seek counsel from others, to work with your household. If you've got, if you've got a, a roommates or family, work to be on the same page and the same pace. If one of you wants to go faster but slower, Bear with one another. Find, find that compromise and seek, seek wisdom on that. But, and just to recognize that it's always going to be balancing. Good question.
Any other questions? I'm happy to, to discuss this uh, later. I recognize that we are at the one minute until I need to be wrapping this up. So let's, let's pray together um, and, and close. Father, we are grateful for you. We are grateful for how you have shown hospitality to us in your care for us, how you have made your enemies friends, how you have made strangers heirs and members of your kingdom and your household. We praise you for that. And we praise you for how you have called us to partake in it with you. God, we we thank you for how you, you have called us and how you have equipped us, how you have blessed us to allow us to be a blessing to others around us. And God, we pray that we would be faithful in that. We pray that we would be faithful to love the stranger, to love the sojourner, to love one another, to put your character on display before a watching world. And God, as as Josh said moments ago, God, we pray uh, for that wedding that we celebrated yesterday with Paul and Ashton. God, we pray that you would bless them even, even now as they're starting this race. Uh, they've crossed that starting line of their wedding day, and now the race has begun. God, we pray that we would be an encouragement to them and them to us. God, we pray that we would be faithful in that as well. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.